Welcome to episode 238 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Penelope, Brian, Debbie, and Elizabeth. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Penelope, Brian, Debbie, and Elizabeth for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. This week, I'm sharing with you an open talk by Myrtle A., who says, I am my biggest problem. Some of the things that I really enjoyed in her talk, she speaks of kicking out poor me. She says, poor me didn't need to live in my house anymore. I kicked her butt off the step as far as I could. She doesn't live here anymore. So when I start saying poor me, I remind myself she doesn't live here anymore. I kicked her out. A line that I love, I just love. She says, I am a thief. I will steal your responsibility faster than you knew you had it. So I hope you enjoy Myrtle. I am Myrtle. I am a discovering, searching member of Al-Anon. And I found it's a fun search. Sometimes it's not a fun search because sometimes I get to look at me. I have discovered that I am my biggest problem, not my companion that happens to be the reason why I'm here. And he's the reason why I'm here. Uh, I remember some years ago, eight years ago, almost nine, he went into treatment again. And so he had a wise counselor that said to me, you need to do this. And I was just so excited. If it will help him, I'll do it. So I went to the meetings, and then this counselor said, you need to do an Al-Anon meeting every month. So that was easy. Once a month, I could do that. So I went the first week, and I came home, and my husband said, well, did you like that? And I said, no, those people are sick. I can't, I can't go back. They're really, they have problems. I don't have any problems. And he said, give it six meetings. So I did. And I'm still doing those six meetings. And I don't know, I can't count, I guess I still go. And it's been a fun thing to find out just sharing with the people my higher power puts me with because they know what I need to hear. And I don't know if what I say to them is what they need to hear too, but it helps me. And I'm the one that needs the help, no one else. Sometimes as I go about my program, and I call it my program because I just work at Helder Skelder to help me, and I found out that if I can visualize things, I can somehow deal with it because I decided poor me didn't lead, need to live in my house anymore, so I packed her clothes and I carried them out the door and I have this little deck out my house and I kind of tossed it across the yard. Then I set poor me right in front of me and I kicked her butt off the step <laughs> as hard as I could. And it helps me that when I start feeling that little, oh, poor me, I have to remember, she doesn't live here. I kicked her out. I did that with my boss, too, because he used to drive me a little nuts. So I have learned if I turn things over to God, he'll take care of them. So when a little thing started to beat on me and drive me a little nuts, I have to stop and think he's not mine anymore. I gave him away. That put me back in a little better mood. Sometimes 
not a calm mood, but a little better mood, and I don't do my little sarcastic things I used to do about him because I used to compare him to Winnie the Pooh on the blustery day. And he was just always just talking, and the crisis was going on while he's talking and telling you to be calm. And that's how I work that. I have to do it for me. I have found out in the opening in our, I think it's in our opening in the, for our program, it says changed attitude can aid and help me work my program. And I remember the very first time I ever wanted to, I don't know, I, I gave it a shot the first time because I still have Jerry's my husband. I need to say it this way so I can remember what I'm doing. But sometimes he's still using right now. And sometimes when he's out, I sit on the couch and I look out the window. And this was years ago because the hill comes down towards my house and I can see the clearance lights on the truck and I know that one's him. So I can just... Watch for him to come home and make sure he gets there. And this one night, I was sitting on the couch and I was waiting for him to get there and he wasn't coming and he wasn't coming. Alanon had helped me learn that I need to do something. So I, oh, they say read. So I got up and I picked up a forum. And I opened the book and it fell open to the page I needed to read. It said, Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Do something. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, so I dusted. It's the last time I've ever dusted. <laughs> I don't dust. <laughs> but that little bit of dusting kind of calmed me down, got my mind off what I thought was my problem, but it wasn't. And I usually used to, oh, I was a radical person before I was, and I still am, I bet. I used to verbally abuse Jerry, and, you know, I always gave him the questions, where you been, what you seen, who you done, what have you done, these kind of things. I asked those questions. One night, and he wouldn't even have to get inside the house before I started that. I mean... I could meet him on the porch in the driveway, and I needed to know all this. So one night, this thing about changed attitudes kind of flickered into my mind before he came through the door. And the first time I said, I'm glad you're home, shocked me. Because, and I hope it kind he was surprised, I bet, because <laughs> he wasn't met with this verbal abuse all the time. And I don't talk in sequence type stuff. I'm just going to have to do a little bit of sharing about what it was like. When I was much younger, I used to have this little thought that if a man liked me, he was always nice to me. So if a guy was nice, he liked you. Anyway, in that uneducated form, one day I found out I was going to have a child. So, I mean, that just kind of let you down. So I had that child. And I was one of those fix-its, so I worked and I saved my money and I paid for that delivery and I kept that baby. And because I had a loving family, they helped me take care of that child until I blacked Jerry's eye and made him marry me because I was pregnant again. <laughs> and now we have two, two children. Uh, they are both living their own lives now, and I found out it's harder for me to let them live their lives than I thought it would be. 
I found out I am a thief. I will steal your responsibility faster than you know you've even had it. Because you didn't have it. I was going to take care of everything. And that's what I did with my husband from the time we were married. I stole his responsibility. I was thinking I was helping. I wasn't. Everything I did right was wrong. The things I thought were wrong were probably the things I should have been doing. I thought it was my responsibility to make sure that he got home from the bar. So I'd help him out with that. I knew which bars he drank in. And I knew what time they closed. Even when we lived in Las Vegas, I knew which bars he drank in, and there's a few there. I could always find him. I could always make sure he was evicted. And I was, Bob has made this statement about Al-Anon brutality. I used to do that. Sometimes he'd just be sitting there just drinking and having his good time and find himself sitting on the floor because the bar stool moved. And somebody helped him move. <laughs> and I was the one that did that. I found out I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a nice person to be around some days when I lose my temper. But after I lose my temper and I verbally abuse you, it, it's all over for me. I did not ever stop to think what I sounded like, what I said, or how it would affect someone. I remember one time right after I started searching for some, for me, I was reading a self-help book and it was talking about a lady that had married an alcoholic and she had grown up in an alcoholic home and she said, that's never going to happen to me. And because in that book I was reading some things that her mom had done, and I, it was clicking in on me, this is what I've done to my children. I've done it. What can you do now? All you can do now is say, your mom wasn't too smart. I didn't stop to realize that my loud voice in the middle of the night when they had to get up and go to school the next morning would wake them up. Who needs to sleep before a test at school? Nobody. I didn't stop to think about this. My ignorance really helped me damage some people. And that might be why I first started out with service to Alateen, because it was before I got into a lot of Al-Anon, and I wanted those young people to have what I had found. I wanted to give it to them. But you know what I find? Sometimes they don't want it. <laughs> Just like <laughs> I don't want to eat some foods I don't like. And my mom would say, you need to eat this, you need to eat this, you can't leave the table until you clean your plate. So you might sit there for an hour or two or so or whatever. But you didn't want to do it. I just wanted Alateen people to know that we have this program that can help you find a solution to your problem, that you're not the only one with that problem. So I had a little practice on service work with that. And then I <clears throat> had a chance to move on to something else. And you know, each discovery I make for a service project helps me, helps me find out I have ideas. I can share my ideas with people. And it's their choice to use that idea and I can accept that now because I used to think you had to do it my way or it wasn't right. I never stopped to realize 
other people have good ideas too. Because it wasn't my way doesn't mean it's not right. My service in Al-Anon has helped me even just so I can talk with you today and share. And I didn't ever think I could do this kind of little project. But it helps. And you know, coming to conferences and listening to AA people speak, I learn a lot. I can remember, I don't know what year it was, but I know it was somewhere in Wyoming, I think Cheyenne. I was listening to a speaker, and he happened to be a Catholic priest, and he said, close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. So I did, because he told me to. And then he said, now I want you to think of the worst thing you have ever done. So I did. And then he said, you know, God loved you anyway. He still loves you. And I'm finding out people and God still love me, even though I have made mistakes, even though I'll make mistakes tomorrow. I'm still loved and appreciated because that's how I choose to look at it. I choose to look at my life as a good one. I mean, I could stand here and tell you things that might not sound good, things that were a tragedy to me at the time they were happening. But I don't, the thing that's most important is what I have learned so I don't have to keep nursing those old hurts and resentments over and over and over. If they were so fun at the time and made me so miserable, why do I want to relive them? Why do I want to play old tapes? I mean, I'd rewind those old tapes, and if they happened to stretch and break, I'd patch them. I had to keep them. <laughs> and it's just, it's been a fun thing not to have to do that anymore, because one time I was doing my little morning walk, and, you know, when your tape breaks in the car and people throw them out the window and those little tapes are just strung along the grass and along the road, I decided that's a good thing to do with my old tapes. And I had one that I really nursed, my favorite. So in my mind, I thought, I'm going to throw it away. So I did. It has helped me when I think about the experience just for a second, a fleeting second, and you think, I can't play that one anymore. I don't have it because it's gone. It's, made my, it's helped my life be more happy. I like my life this way. Just like poor me, I don't have her anymore. I don't have those old tapes anymore. I remember a lot of years ago, this was before my husband helped me find AA and Al-Anon, he said, he, came, he was on one of his nights, and you know you always sleep till 2 o'clock because that's when the bar opens and you have to go make sure you're at the bar so you can make sure he gets home without a drunk driving ticket. And that's how I used to live my life for a lot of years. So I woke up this one early, early morning at 2 o'clock, and you know how you sleep with the TV on because you did it going, you was watching the news, and you wake up and it's something else. And on this program, and I don't know what the name of the program was, but it's what I needed to hear. It said, give your problems to God and he'll take care of them. Well, my problem was at home. So I just said, God, I can't deal with him anymore. You take care of him. 
then I was able to, I, I did that night. I went to bed. I didn't go bounce the bars that night. I went to bed, I went to sleep, and I got up and went to work the next morning. And God took care of Jerry. He's still taking care of Jerry. I don't have to anymore. God's doing that for me. For Jerry, because it's the right way it needs to be. We have this little thing I do, not we. I had this little thing that told me I was the caretaker and I could do it. It's been fun to realize I'm not the caretaker and I don't have to do it. If I choose to make a grilled cheese sandwich at 2 o'clock in the morning, I can do it. If I choose not to, you can do it. I don't, I'm, I'm glad I finally have choices. They're great. If I want to go see someone on a weekend and Jerry doesn't want to go, fine, stay home, I'm gone, see you when I get back. And before I used to think, he needs to be with me every day, everywhere I go. He needs to enjoy the people I need to be around. It's not so. I found out I had my own life and I could live it. So I do. It's helped me to realize that he also has choices. His choices aren't my choices, most often, but they're his choices. My higher power allowed me to have my choice, and he lets me make my own mistakes. I finally realized I am not my husband's God. He can make his own choices. He can make his own mistakes. I need to let him make his own mistakes. And one time when he, my husband told me I was an enabler, I was angry because I didn't help him drink. But now I realized I did. The time should call his job and say, he won't be in today, he's sick. I'm enabling. When you find out how to juggle the money situation so bills are paid, I'm enabling. When I make sure <coughs> his lunch is put up to go to work, even though he was out all night till 2 and he has to go to work at 5, I'm enabling. When I allow myself to go to the bar and pick him up, when they call me to tell me he's ready to come home, I felt I'm enabling. Oh, the first time I said to one bar, I will come tonight, but don't call me again. Man, that was hard. It was hard the first time. It wasn't hard the second time. I can do it all the time now. (laughs) So I have done it. And this one lady last time, she said, well, I didn't know. And I said, I know you didn't know, but don't call me again. And I probably didn't have a pleasant voice when I told her. She woke me up. And she told me something I knew, and I didn't want to hear it anyway. So I just said... If he needs a ride home, call the police and they'll bring him. So far the police haven't brought him, but other people have, and that's fine with me. He gets home. I used to have this. I don't know if anybody's ever had this happen, and I bet it has, because you've never heard a thing that you haven't done or thought. I used to hate car insurance. 
I mean, I've been married almost 30 years, and every five years you had to replace the car insurance because there was always a drunk driving ticket, and yeah, some some companies get disgusted and they don't want to deal with you anymore, so you have to go find somebody new. So I'd rack my brain and I'd call and I'd call and I'd call and I'd take care of it. Al-Anon's taught me I don't have to do that anymore. He's the one that got the ticket. He can find his own insurance. So he did. And you know what? Blast his heart. He found a company just quick that was cheaper. (laughs) Shows you how important. I mean, the power I thought I had, I didn't have. I was doing it wrong. Even though I thought it was right, it was wrong. It's been an experience. Sometimes I don't like finding myself in this experience. But whatever I, good I get from my experience, it was worth it. Sometimes you have to rock on the pebbles to, before you can get to the sand. And you know what? It's worth walking on the pebbles sometimes. In in my life, I found out I had to go through the rough to get to the good. Whether it was an illegitimate child, whether it was watching your classmates pass away because of alcohol abuse or use or wrecks or whatever, those rough things help you find the good if you're willing to look for the good. I choose to look for the good now. The rough's not fun. The good's fun. I like it. I use a lot of Al Anon slogans sometimes when I can stop to think about them, and the hardest one I've been able to forget is that word think. I react before I think all the time. Gets me in a lot of trouble. And the why and the reason I think I'm doing that is because I need to learn to think. So my higher power keeps giving me advantages and letting me try to work on that. I found out I don't want it. I don't want patience anymore because the more I pray for patience, the more opportunity I have to work on it. So I stop praying for patience. <laughs> if it can, and that's probably not the thing. I don't know if patience was getting easier to do, or if I'm subconsciously thinking before I react. It might be that. Another one of my slogans I like best is, let go and let God. An AA person brought this to my attention in words I could understand when he said, he can't, or he can, I can't, so I'll let him. I learned from AA. I'm glad they have a program that they're willing to share with me so I might be able to decide I like who I am. And if I don't like who I am, I can change myself so I do like who I am. It was fun to realize I don't have to change you. It was more fun to realize it's not my responsibility to change you. And you don't do this all at once. It's taken me a few years to finally find out I'm powerless. But you know, I'm one of those people that want to think, I'll help you out. 
<laughs> I think God's probably going to be bald-headed because he rubs his head and he says, Oh, Mert, if you'd just get out of the way and let me do it. <laughs> I probably have given him more chances to rub his head and say, Beat it. Get out of my way. And let me go to work. It's just like when you have little children around and you're making cupcakes and everybody wants to do it. And you can't do it because everybody wants to do it and all you want to do is send them out of the room. I bet my higher power does have a whole room full of little people wanting to help him do it. And it would be so much nicer if he could just slide up off the table and say, beat it. He has more patience than me. He loves us all and he can take care of us and just accept us for how it is, how we are. That was another thing that I learned in Al-Anon, acceptance. Some of us think, oh, well, this is how, not some of us, this is how I thought after we're married, after this is. It'll be different. If I accepted you before, when I thought you were the neat guy, why, why all at once are you not the neat guy? That's me that's got that vision of you. You are my neat guy all the time. You are my best friend all the time. I need to accept you the way you are. Not the way I want you to be. You weren't born the way I wanted you to be or you wouldn't. I need to accept what is given to me each day. And if I want to work on it to help me, I can. It's my choice. But I don't have to accept unacceptable things to me. And some of you might have gone through a little thing of some foul language I've decided I didn't want to ever have to pit up with again. So I just said, you won't say, I will not accept you talking to me that way. So there has been some improvement on that because my ears don't hear. Or he's decided that's not acceptable. I won't talk to her that way. Whatever it was, it's been nice. It's been nice to find out that, oh, I was such a, one of those people that, because of my acceptance thing, if you did not live your life the way I wanted you to, you weren't worth my time. My higher power has helped me see there's a whole world of people out there are are just the neatest thing, neatest ones. AA helped me realize that. <coughs> because I didn't participate and I didn't drink a lot. I did not and people that did I didn't want to be around. So you weren't worth my time. My higher power has put me in touch with people that talk my language that I can understand. I understand simple words like one step at a time, the serenity prayer, it's clear to me. I cannot understand scriptures in the Bible. They're in a foreign language to me. I can understand chapters in 
how it works. I can understand chapters in the big book. can understand things in Al-Anon's newest book, and I forgot its name. But I can understand it because it's written in a language I understand in words and phrases that that's what that means. I'm glad it's there for me. And if I need a refresher, all I have to do is get the book off the shelf and read it. Some days I need more refreshers than others. So I do more studying than I do usually. It just depends on what crisis I think I've allowed myself to get depressed over. That was another thing I liked about when I finally realized I'm the one that's responsible for my happiness. It's not up to you to make me happy. What you do don't, doesn't make me happy or make me mad. I'm the one that does that. It's been good for me to find out I can have an argument without raising my voice. Strange, but it can happen. It's been good that I've been able to say to my husband, I think we need a meeting. And I can just say to him, this is how I feel about such and such. And then he, because you can't interrupt at a meeting, all you can do is sit and listen. So I get my how I feels out, and then he can tell me his view of how I feel or what really happened or his view of what happened. I don't have to do a rebuttal on, because he has ideas. He has a mind. Sometimes he was there in first person, and I've only heard it from second, third, or fourth people, and I don't know what was going on. So it's been, it's been fun to be able to do that, to find out that the things I thought were such a, a terrible thing were because I didn't know and I wouldn't ask before. I just accepted what somebody else had told me without saying, let's have a meeting and talk about this. It's helped me. It's been, it's been a, a fun eight years learning about me. Like I said before, some stuff I don't like about me. I don't like the way I do a lot of procrastination. Because the IRS audited me one year, I didn't like to go get the mail. So I don't. Well, you know, <laughs> if you don't go get the mail, you don't, you don't know what's in there. And you don't know what bills are supposed to be paid and when they're supposed to be paid. and So you finally get them and you take them home, but you don't have to open them. So you just set them in a pile and it's like an Al-Anon letter I've lost. I probably, I still don't open the mail because I don't like the bad news sometimes you get. And I can't remember seeing the letter because I probably haven't opened it yet. It's still in the pile. So I need to go home and open my mail. Procrastination just kind of beats me up. I think I might be getting tired of the beat up, so I need to open the mail and stop doing that. See, your guys are helping me work through a four-step, kind of. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because I can see where I've been wrong and what I need to do. Sometimes I've had 
some telephone calls from some Al-Anon friends. And you know when you listen and then you have a comment to make or something, the most, to me this has happened. The things that fall out of my mouth are the things I need to hear. One lady was talking to me one night about her husband that she had had evicted from their home because of whatever. And it moved into a trailer in a trailer park. And he was friends with the lady that lived across the street. And the thing that came out of my mouth is, well, don't you think he needs a friend? Oh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, here I had had some experiences with friends in my life that I didn't like in my life because they were hers and not him's. And I was having this bad feelings about the telephone bill because this friend calls him collect and they don't just say hi, how are you, goodbye it's long calls so I told him he had to pay his own phone bill and then I realized he or she needed They needed to be friends. And then after he started talking to me about why those she is his friend, he said, you know, she's married to an alcoholic, and you roll your eyes and say, so, who isn't? (laughs) And he said, but you don't understand. She doesn't get treated nicely, and yeah. (laughs) And she has to talk. Okay. Why doesn't she go to an Al-Anon meeting? And he said, I've suggested she do that, but she won't. And then some months go by, and he said, you know, I talked to my friend, and she won't go to the meeting, so I told her not to call me again. I'm the one having the big resent about this and he said because she won't go look for some help for herself she wants to just talk to me and keep those old wounds going 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 when she could go to Al-Anon and get some help and find out what she needs to do he said I told her not to call me again I felt bad she needed a friend He was her friend. And it's been interesting that I've been able to say, have you heard from her lately? Why don't you call her? It's been nicer. I don't even know her. I only know some nights on Tuesday nights is when she used to call. If I happen to be home on Tuesday nights, that's my meeting night and I answer the phone, nobody will talk to me. You can still hear and then you hear the click. If I answer the phone and nobody talks, I know who's on that phone. I know who needs to make a phone call to her because she's hurting. And you know what's sad? She lives in Rock Springs and I know so many people in Rock Springs that can help her. But she's still in denial, like I used to be. She's not willing to look for it yet. She hasn't had an acquaintance that says, go with me. Let me go to Al-Anon with you. Or I don't even know if she has a friend that could say, here's this pamphlet, read it. Because when I got my first copy of How Al-Anon Works, that's a new book, I said, I was reading it, and I said, Jerry, I want to send this to 
I can't remember name, Lorraine, I think's her name. And he said, uh, I don't think she had read it. I better to that lady because his insight not be, might not be what she needs at that time. Maybe at that, maybe when she gets that book and she might just open it and it falls open to the page she needs to read, she will know where to get some more help. That might work. Might work for any of our friends. And I don't want to push Alan on onto my friends because it's an attraction. But if I can say to my friends, this is what has helped me. If they can see that I'm happy, even though my husband's in jail, which has happened, it's not, I mean, they might be able to think, why is she so ex- so relaxed and happy today if he's in jail? Well, they might be able to see the way I can handle a situation differently than I used to. All I can do is share with who's willing to listen and who's ready to listen, and you don't know who your higher power has put you in contact with that needs that need your help. None of us know, but just some little word or some phrase might click with them, just like it did with you when you first started the meetings and you finally got the oh-hos, that's what that means, that can help me. I will try that. It works. One little success leads to a whole, another one and another one. Pretty, not, pretty soon we're just feeling that we're okay people. And we are. We're special. All of us. Thanks for being special people in my life. I appreciate you. Thank you. a little bit about recovery in my life as we talk about it in this section of the podcast. My step study group, my AWOL group, met on Tuesday for the first time in a month. We had had sickness and travel that canceled the in-between meeting, and we're working our way towards the conclusion of step three and finding out more and more about what it means to turn our lives and our will over to the care of a higher power. And I remember might have been an open talk I was listening to. The person talked about, you know, when you leave your kids with a babysitter for the night, you turn them over to the care of the babysitter, but you're not giving them away to the babysitter. And I thought, yeah, that's what I do with my life. I give my life to the care of my higher power. I don't have to give it all away. A Saturday morning meeting, we talked about step eight, which is made a list of all people we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Perhaps not surprisingly, a big topic around the table was about willingness. I was reminded that I don't have to want to do something. I don't have to look forward to doing something to be willing to do it, you know? I don't necessarily want to get out of bed in the morning, but I am willing. Sometimes I I don't want to step on the scale, but I am willing because I know that I need to know what the answer is, even if I don't want to know. Next weekend... March 2nd to 4th, 2018. I will be t- attending part of, at least part of, the March Roundup AA convention with Alanon participation in Dearborn, Michigan. Maybe you live in the area, maybe you're planning to go to that convention. And it would be really cool if we could get together and chat a little bit. I'm bringing my portable recorder with me, so if we wanted to maybe take a couple of minutes and talk about what you have found at the convention and why you might encourage other members to go to such a convention. That would be just wonderful. So I hope to see you there. I'll be sporting my pink and purple hair. I'm about six foot two, so should be easy to spot me. If you 
want to leave feedback here. If you want to share your experience, strength, and hope, share how your life in recovery is going, or if you have questions or topic suggestions, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. We'd really love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope for your questions. And if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And our website is therecovery.show. It has all the information about the show, which includes notes for each episode, although Open Talk episodes tend to have pretty short notes. Got a little bit of mail this week. Penelope writes, Spencer, your podcast is my meeting between meetings. Sometimes it is my meeting in the night when the hamster is threatening to get on that darned wheel. I enjoy it in all the various formats. You're a calm voice, and your various guests help me to stay grounded in the program and allow God to do his work. Thank you. Diane writes, Spencer, I just listened to episode 237. Episode 237 was about um, healing from the trauma of alcoholism. She says, I love and appreciate the recovery show. Thank you to all of you. I've gone to Al-Anon over two years and believe it is the best thing I have ever done for myself. I don't say much. I listen and get the hope you talk about. You said it perfectly. You kept going and you felt better a little at a time for a little time. I try and explain Al-Anon to others, only a few so far. I heard in episode 237, Al-Anon is a place I don't have to pretend things are okay, and that is okay. I don't have to say a word ever, and that is okay too. It is truly a safe place. Thank you, Diane, for your note. And thank you for your observations about how Al-Anon is a place where we can be okay, because that was certainly my experience. Kylie left a comment about episode 189, which was titled Being Ready. Another absolute cracking episode, Spencer. God bless you. You are wonderful. Your show is impacting my life in such a healing way. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.